You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Here's a set of results from a JC listed company from the financial services sector, and the company's name is Peregrine. And these are the interim results for the six months ended 30th of September of this year, of course. And on the telephone with me now is Robert Katz, who's the CEO and CFO of Peregrine. Uh, Rob, I would say that in all the time I've been reporting upon Peregrine, these are the most, firstly from my point of view, but then again I'm not experienced and I'm not an accountant, are the most difficult to analyse and probably I would say, without being presumptuous, probably the most difficult that you've had to report upon for quite a while. Lindsay, look, I think that these results need to be unpacked and you know, whilst the headline of a 40% decrease is what it is, um, and I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but you know, included in that is two revenue streams which we had last year, but which we don't have this year. Namely, a one-off performance fee in Stenham, yeah. which was a residual performance fee from the um, Stempop business, which we sold a couple of years ago. That amounted to $58 million. And then, as, as you're well aware, the securities business, which you disposed of uh, in the second half of last year. So that contributed 77 to last year. But if you look at it from a from an earnings point of view, we are down 40% in HIPS. But if you strip out the ad hoc performance fee of 27 cents and the discontinued after 36 cents, you get to about 69 cents of, of, of ongoing earnings. And we were actually 15% up from an ongoing earnings point of view. So we, you know, we were just over 79 cents of ongoing earnings up 15% and from a, a, a from a hedge point of view and from an earnings point of view, uh, 166 this year compares to 148 on the like-for-like comparison. So we're actually up 12%. Obviously, the 58 and the 77, which we don't have anymore, have distorted the minus 40. So if that's the headline, you know, that's, you know, that is well, the number and it is minus 40. But, you know, it, it certainly is a challenging environment in which we operate. But, you know, there's certain businesses that are doing well and uh, others that are that are struggling in a very, 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 very difficult, uh, especially local uh, economy. Yes, let me give a backdrop to this because your commentary says the following. The six months ended 30th of September have been highlighted by the continued uncertainty imposed on the global economy by the US-China trade talks and the effect thereof of growth expectations. The world economy has been cyclically cooling down even before these talks and I would I would I would really have started actually with probably the South African situation where we've seen volumes falling on the JSE wealth being eroded because of the parlous state of the South African economy and that would impact your continuing operations would you would you say that that's correct and even if there was an upturn in the United States and the rest of the world as we've seen over the years South Africa hasn't participated in that yes so that's quite correct but, you know, we are all interconnected and there is connect- interconnectivity of our businesses to the global economy. That even excludes the direct business we do have outside of South Africa, namely Stenham. Yeah. But if you, look at, uh, if you look at our local businesses and you look at Citadel, you know, Citadel is an advice-led asset management business and it is proving to be counter-cyclical as clients are seeking safe haven investment opportunities and vice and thus the overall poor economic environment which you just described, Lindsay, is having less of an effect on this business than on other local businesses, which I'll come to, you know, um, just once I'm done with Citadel. Yes. But if you look at Citadel in and of itself, it's performing very well. And it's on track for a record year in some key metrics in the building, namely client retention, which is now up to 98%. 
Our core margin, which has gone up by about four bips since the last performing period, this is despite, despite significant fee pressure, which we're seeing across financial services in general. Our AUM is now 57 billion, although that is helped by a weaker end. I, I do need to make that point. And our inflows are particularly strong, excluding our two recent acquisitions of about 1.8 odd billion. Our inflows this year amounted to 3.7 versus 2.2 the comparative year. But equally pleasing is the um, amount of of money that clients take off the table from the Citadel point of view to live on. The percentage of AUM has decreased from 7 to 5 percent, and that we've seen that we started seeing the trend at the second half of last year has continued now into the first half of this year and I think it's just a case of just onboarding a higher quality and better quality of clients in terms of, uh, of, of, of asset management. So what we're actually seeing in Citadel is despite the local economy being so volatile and uncertain and a lot of uh, stress in the system, people are flocking to the safe haven house and uh, all indices are, are almost at record highs. So that is a particularly uh, pleasing business unit. It is the biggest unit in the Peregrine Group, so it is particularly pleasing. And on the other end of the spectrum... Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Let's focus on the really big success story. And I've been speaking to Citadel on various media media platforms for, for many, many years, and it just keeps on growing and it, and it keeps on delivering, I must say, very good interviews indeed and wisdom. So what you're saying is that during these choppy waters, it's a safe haven port. I mean, I hate to use that sort of corny analogy, but as you say, the counter Cyclicality of Citadel is very interesting. When times get tough, people go to the experts and put their faith in them, and that's what's benefited Citadel in many ways. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, in benign bull markets, we're all Warren Buffett. You know, we all think we can do it ourselves, except that when times get choppy, we realize that we can't. And, uh, you know, we are seeing a flock to, well, we're seeing it, a flock to, to safe haven houses, and, you know, we're, we're, we're it. You know, and also... You know, we are also an advice-led business, so that means that we do charge an advice fee. We do get really, really intimate uh, with our clients, and uh, and clients have a comfort in us. You know, at a 98% client retention level, with a record number of flow of inflows, you know, this business is certainly you know doing well. Yeah, certainly. Who is that two percent? I wonder. So, no, so, so the two percent. So we split our outflows into regular outflows. And, you know, you've been covering the group for a long time and you know Citadel well. So you'll know that the client portfolio that Citadel have is such that clients live off the money. Now, that's a regular outflow. And I say that that number has dropped from 7 to 5%. So we're quite happy about that. And because of the model that we have and we do realize that clients live off their money, our inflows have to exceed our outflows. So, you know, at, at a 1.5 billion inflows exceeding outflows for this first um, six months, we're quite happy with that. But the two percent really is clients that leave; um, they're just unhappy with, you know, with the service number one, or they die number two. So, you know, it's it's certainly lower than it's ever been, and that's a key metric that we look at. We'd rather look at the ninety-eight percent that stays, and we're obviously doing something very right to keep ninety-eight uh, percent of our clients. Clearly, you but are. we do have it's not it's not possible to keep a hundred percent. So, yeah. you know, that ninety-eight percent is over eighty. Ninety-eight percent is is a record high for us. So. We'd be concerned if that number dropped. Okay, Citadel's the star of the show. What else can you tell us about? What other divisions need to be reported upon? So Java is on the other end of the spectrum. Java's results have come down quite materially. And the reason that their results have come down quite materially is simply their exposure to the South African economy. They're a business that's, that's 100% exposed over here. And, you know, as a result of reduced deal flow in both general corporate finance and equity capital markets, 
this is what you're going to see. In addition, and it's important to note this, that transaction activity on the JSE, as you just mentioned before, yes. um, has significantly declined. And there's been a significant decline in volume of circulars, announcements, and, you know, the other stuff that they do, corporate processing services, etc., which has translated into weaker financial performance. The dealmakers, Lindsay, I don't know if you get the dealmaker rankings of corporate finance houses uh, that come out in South Africa. I don't. It comes out four times a year. So for the first half of 2019, you know, Java are still number one in number of transactions, general corporate finance at 18% of the market, and number one in number of transactions as a sponsor at 14% of the market, and number three um, in number of transactions by deal flow and deal value. So they're still one, one, and three measured in comparison to their peers. Now, that's just a relative comparison, but it doesn't translate into financial performance. So what I'm trying to say to you is that, you know, there's an army expression when it rains, all sides get wet. So what we're seeing here is that whilst Dava's financial performance has come off significantly, they're still maintaining their positions vis-a-vis their competitors, which is pleasing for us. It's not that, you know, financials come down and they're now gone from one to ten. But, you know, the reality is that in a, in a very, very, very weak South African uh, economic climate, Java won't do better until the economy does better. Just the way it is. But uh, probably poised for greatness. So, 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 so this, this business ain't counter-cyclical, that's for sure. Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is once the deal flow starts to return, once people get confident enough to unleash everything that's on their balance sheets, and I'm talking about JSE listed and South Africa-specific companies now, and Java being number one in the rankings of which you just spoke, uh, they'll be well poised to take advantage of that, hopefully, very you, soon unleashment. That, that is... Hundred percent. That is actually absolutely our expectation. Very good. Do you regret disposing of the brokering and structuring business, or are you happy that you did because of the? Definitely not. Mm. Definitely not. Absolutely not. It enabled Peregrine to again declare between eighty and ninety percent of our earnings by way of dividends. Eighty-two percent now in the second six months of the year. Um, we've got rid of the tail risk of the business. We've got rid of the capital calls. You know, I don't follow the business. I'm not involved in the business anymore. But you know, just I just think in this current South African economic environment, uh, we'd be happy, you know, not to be exposed to that business. You know, your view, Lindy, or do you think that, uh, you know, it would have been good to have kept it in the space? Or I know or it served you well, and I know a couple of the people there, and I know you, when I first started reporting, once that division was uh, formed, then the, the results were pretty exotic, actually. But then as volumes started falling, I don't want to keep on going about on about volumes, but volumes were a very important part of their business. And they've, they've declined on an average basis ever since then. So probably, I don't know if it was luck or whether it was uh, you being shrewd, it was probably a good disposal. Yeah, yeah. No, we, overall, we, we, we're not unhappy that we disposed of the business. But it has had knock-on effects on other parts of the business. So for, we'll give you an example. We've had to right-size down the business. So you look at our head office costs, they're down 7 million rand. You know, we've had to get rid of people. That, I don't like using the word get rid of, Lindsay. Let's more use the word right-downsize or right-size. I prefer you know, get rid of. Right-size head office and people have left. You know, so people have left and, you know, you are seeing that cost-saving coming into the business. Our CFO left, and we're not replacing the CFO. Our CRO, which was, you know, predominantly a position created at a holdings level to deal with that securities business because that's where most of the risk would have lied with us. You know, we don't have the need for that person anymore. So we have reduced significant costs down at a holdings level because of disposal of that business. We're still sitting with the net proceeds of that business or a significant part of the net proceeds, which we will deploy uh probably into share buybacks at the right time. And the reason that we haven't bought back share buybacks is simply because, you know, I've had asymmetrical information vis-a-vis the market. 
in terms of, you know, the SENS, I don't know if you've watched, we put out a SENS in August and another SENS a couple of weeks back where we've had an offer received for 100% of the equity of Peregrine. I just didn't feel that while talks were in discussion, it would have been moral for me to go and buy shares in the market having this asymmetrical information. So if nothing comes of it, okay, then we will probably go into the market and buy shares. And then I'd have sold the securities business, paid off all the debt that we incurred relating to that business, bought Peregrine shares back already in November last year, and I'll use the rest to buy Peregrine shares now. So in effect, what I'll be buying is I'll be buying Citadel predominantly with the money from securities. So, you know, for me, it does remain a good deal. I asked you last time, and I've asked you actually two or three times, are you getting the business ready for a takeover from somebody else? And and clearly what you've just said means that people are, are sniffing around. Were you tempted? I think my answer to you last time was that you know, with predominantly annuity flows, we're in the high 90s of annuity income now, and that number has grown by 18% in and of itself, plus almost all of your earnings being cash, you know, we can pay out high dividends ratio, it does make us very, very attractive to others. Um, hence the SENS announcement, which we put out to the market a couple of weeks back. Do you think when we but speak... But it's not that we have... We haven't... I know you're not asking this, but I just want to make the point to you. We haven't panel beated the business want of a better word to dress it up for sale, no. Mm. So you haven't put on the lipstick and said, come and get me? No, most definitely not. Okay, but I still get a, a feeling just, that you know, you're, you're, that way. you're making yourself nimble, you're adapting to conditions, and there are certain parts of the business uh, that are very attractive uh, to a potential buyer, especially if the South African economy uh, turns round. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, I won't get into this uh, too much, but if you continue... If you continue in your present form and things get better in South Africa, will you look to consolidate the business and maybe even expand it? Or are you just going to say, well, things are going well now, come and get us? We would always be growing our businesses. Citadel is growing. Curtin Capital is a performance uh, business. So, you know, we would, we would, at the right opportunity and at the right time, for the right price, cash flows, people, what can the business add to us? What can we add it to it? We will make the right acquisitions. Empirical evidence unequivocally proves that mergers and acquisitions destroy value and don't create value. So we're not going to we're not going to waste shareholders' money on frivolous acquisitions. Um, and you know what will happen will happen. You know the fact that we have had an offer. It's not as I said we're dressing it up for sale. But if an offer comes and you know the board and the shareholders feel that it's the right deal to do, we'll do it. But, you know, we're not running this business to sell the business, if that's more a direct answer I can give you. Okay, good. Well said and very politically correct, but also with a lot of insight uh, behind that political correctness. Uh, Rob, you're a frustrated market uh, trader. You probably trade like a maniac when you're not uh, running a business. <laughs> what do you think about the markets at the moment, both <laughs> locally and internationally? Well, if it's just my personal view, I do think that markets are uh, internationally are, are, are a little bit toppish. I think that they will come down slightly. It's just my own personal view. And on the local side, Lindsay, it's a difficult question to answer simply because it depends on really your view on South Africa. You know, I went to a conference on Sunday where, you know, there was quite a wide range of quite high profile people. And there was some very, very positive sentiment uh, relating to South Africa very, very positive sentiment indeed, so long as certain things start happening, which, you know, I think that while our president is playing the long game, you know, we do have to see short wins as well, which, uh, you know, would, would give a lot of ballast into uh, the South African psyche and uh, into South African markets. So, 
you know, my view is that, uh, you know, nothing's ever as bad as it seems and nothing's ever as good as you hope. So somewhere between the two is where we are. But it is tough, Lindsay. There's no question about it. Times are very tough in South Africa. I think the South African retail consumer, which is the base of all economies, is seriously under pressure and threat. And uh, and it's coming through in, in a heap of results. Do you think we'll be speaking in a year's time in your current position, i.e. CEO and CFO? In other words, will I be talking to you as CEO and CFO of Peregrine, or will Peregrine not be a JSE-listed entity that warrants my attention? Well, you know, I think that depends on the cautionary that we put out to the market two weeks ago. You know, I'm not really at liberty to talk much more about it. Of course. You know, as things develop, we will then communicate to the market. But, you know, if it does, then the answer to your question directly is no. And if it doesn't, then the answer to your question directly is yes. But, you know, we still do the six-month talk as well, Lindsay. Yes, of course we do. But things happen at breakneck speed, (laughs) although the lawyers do spin it out, of course, and the investment bankers spin it out as well. Rob, thanks so much for your honesty and your your insight. That's Rob Katz, who's the CEO and CFO of Peregrine, whose results were released earlier today. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.